0: Welcome back to Crab Chat, the unofficial fantasy review that you never wanted nor asked for. I'm your host, Matthew Crabinar, head coach of Crustaceans FC and former male prostitute. And here is a fucking good song and also the headlines for round six. So the first headline, you can always find him in the kitchen at parties. Huey's fucking blueies extend their purple patch out to six wins on the trot now. And the question is here at Crab HQ and on the lips of all my listeners is who's going to bring an end to his reign? I wouldn't be surprised if it's next week. More to come. Next headline are that the casualties just keep on coming. They are piling up. The injury list is getting thick. And as a result, the free agent pool is getting thin. So looking at the casualties from this week, uh, firstly, starting with the injuries from players actually owned by clubs in the comp, uh, Mitch Duncan went down with a hammy, Mitch Robinson with a quad injury, Josh Kennedy's done his knee, Isaac Heaney's done his ankle, rest in peace for the two Sydney boys, Paddy Cripps, injured his shoulder but played the game out, um, albeit not to the best of his ability, pretty low score from his standards and he missed a fair chunk of the first quarter but... One to watch there is Patty Cripps in his shoulder injury, and then Mark Murphy with his hip. But on top of those boys, in terms of cleaning out the free agent pool, we've also lost Quinton Narkle, Will Kelly, Jamie Elliott, John Patton, Hayden Young, Sean Darcy, Tom McDonald, Curtis Taylor, Cameron Sutcliffe, and Daniel Lloyd, all in round six. Um, And that's on top of the injuries we mentioned from last week's round five. So it's getting fucked. Um, and in terms of around six, 16 injuries in total, six of those by um, players owned by coaches in this league. When will this end? Uh, and the last headline on my little run sheet here is Pandemic. Move over COVID 19. There's been an outbreak of Dumb Cunt 19. Dumb Cunt 19 is rampant in the coaching quarters at the moment. Zach, Dinger and Morgan all voted in favour of inter-club collusion. Now, people have different opinion on politics. There's no opinion, there's no two sides to this story. If you think trading to fix a match fixture is kosher, you're, you're infected with dumb cunt 19. Um, and to be honest, I blame the fact that Morgan and Zach are new to the league um, and therefore they don't know any better and have thus been led astray by well-known um, publicly well-known dumb cunt jordan dinger now let's look at what happened in round six uh in what mug crab 2 uh 2020 wow i've got what year it was uh so going through the fixtures from the top of the list going downwards huey's Blueys um ffc dominating robo's janitors by uh what's that about 76 points the margin in the end um if my math serves me well so huey's Blueys, like we said six in a row can it be seven Uh, 840 played 764 Uh, going down one crustaceans fc take their second in a row and they put the claw to bed a battle of the claw that was and boy did he think he'd won it on thursday night there was a meme in the group chat of tom hawkins holding the broken claw of an unlucky crustacean but that prophecy did not come true and the claw wins his uh losers, sorry, he's third in a row and he's only got the one win for the season thus far. So crustaceans eight three one, 6 seven six six. Chicken casserole fucking pumped Josh Morocchi. Rock and sock connection. Um and that one ended up being, I think, at least in my living memory, the big or probably not from last year with some longer games, but Definitely 2020's biggest margin, and probably the biggest margin we'll see this year. 997 played 724. So Ben just falling an agonizing kick away from the four-figure mark, much like Simo fell 10 points shy last week. Um, and that three-point margin has haunted Meraki two weeks in a row. Not only was it the three points that Ben needed to get a thousand, it was the three points he needed last week to tie against Here with Blueys. So, three is Josh's unlucky number this year. Going down one, Jordan Dinger, 831, defeated Kyle Holmes, 757, Publik Lice, STIFC, getting a much needed win. Uh, Kyle, this season's just going about as poorly as his classics team season is. Um, he has not been above 100 for a while, I think. What did he get last week? Week before, sorry. Kyle, 712. Geez, 862 two weeks before. So, it's two weeks down in the 700s now for Kyle. Uh, Los Bola aficionados again, healthy 900 figures. He gets a 947 this week, playing Jumbo Seafood away they special, down on 864. Unlucky for John, that score, 864, would have beaten 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 teams in the comp this week. But he came up against a better team in Giuseppe's Fondlers, and he does not get the win this week. And the last fixture for the round was the Bowdens. Um, much the same story here. 9 5 9 played 8 9 4. So similar scores, similar margin to the Fondlers and Jumbo. Um, and again, Sam's score would have beaten eight teams in the comp this week. That can't be right. Yeah, it is right. Eight teams. Um, but came up against the healthy Bowdens and gets the L. So Sam slips down to ninth. On that note, let's have a look at where the ladder lies. So those fixtures give us this ladder. Huey's Bluey's FFC still out on top in first. 6-0. and oh. Chicken Casserole moves up from fourth to second. So he's in the top two now. Four and two. He's a game clear in second over the Crustaceans. Oh, sorry. He's equal with the Crustaceans. Crustaceans and the Casserole both on four wins. Uh, he stays in third. Jared Zilsha. Uh, fourth place is the Janitors slipping down from second. So Ben and Tim doing a swap. Uh, Tim stays on three wins, three losses. The Bowdens move up from 8th to 5th on 3 and 3. Pubic Lice STIFC move up from 9th to 6th on 3 and 3. Kyle on percentage slips right down to uh, 7th, also 3 and 3. Los Bola Aficionados making the much-prophesized ascension up the ladder. I don't know if ascension is a word, we'll use it. He goes to 8th from 10th, so he's slowly climbing his way up. We'll see him go top four in the next two to three weeks, I'd say. Um, well, to be honest, with the way that Peloton is, fourth place down all on three wins, we could see Simo top four, yeah, within two weeks, what I said. Uh, anyway, Mando, Mandaclorian falls down from sixth to ninth. He's also on three and three. And to round out the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven club Peloton on three wins is Jumbo Seafood, sliding down the ladder from seventh, now he's in 10th, uh, and our ever-reliable 11th and 12th. Morgan, still on one win, rock and sock connection, stranded, winless, bottom of the table, and with a 724 in round six, showing no signs of going anywhere. I think we've got our windscreen cleaner. Now, moving away from the coaches, let's go to the players. Who did what this round? Let's look at the Pigs. The boys hogging the points. Um, a surprising top place getter this week. Callum Mills from Huey's Bluey's FFC. Got to admit, never heard of the cunt. 125 this week. A very impressive outing. In second, the very talked about Ruckman from Phonegate, Twittergate, Nicknatgate, was Riley O'Brien for Ben. 115. Boy, did he turn it on. And that was obviously very well spoken about. But um, Nick Nat won the hit outs. But Riley O'Brien did what he said he'd do. Ran him around the ground. um, Got a lot of touches, a lot of marks. And the fantasy points go to prove the pudding. That's not how the saying goes. But anyway, Ben gets 115 for his captain. Uh, James Sicily, 114 for Sam down back. He's doing a bit this season, Sicily. Lockie Whitfield, also for Sam, 108. And Todd Goldstein, also for Sam, 108. So Sammy takes out three of the top five scoring players this week. Almost gets 900 points. And loses. That is this round's mini Dickens. Sammy Gillis, last minute Dickens vote. Um, That fucking sucks. Anyway, moving on from there. The stat we always look at on... This podcast is, who was the highest scoring free agent this week? And the highest scoring free agent was the 12th highest score for the round. And it was his first game of the season. He's back after missing all of 2019, I'm led to believe. Um, is Sam Simpson. Sam Simpson, 102. And as all the listeners know now, snapped up uh, in the RFAs this week, this morning at 10am. He signed a contract with the Cross FC and he's our newest bench midfielder replacing the old broken Jack Zeeble um, very reactive move by me now going down from the pigs let's look at the results so diving into each fixture looking at the lists and not just what the scores were but how did the scores come about what went wrong what went right so starting top of the table we've got janitors and Hueys Blues. so This would have been a nail-biter, I think, um, Tim and Zach. And we did call it on Sunday morning that this was one of the two games that could go to the wire. Um, And it would have been a nail-biter, literally, had it not been for Josh Kennedy of the Sydney Swans going down with a knee and only posting 14. So had Josh Kennedy posted thereabouts his average of 90, it would have been a matter of single digits either way for Tim or Zach to take the win. So... For the second week in a row, Zach narrowly avoids ending his winning streak. That would have been literally to the point. If um, Kennedy got his proper average, that would have been, I think, Tim by about four or five points. So Zach, again, escapes death. Um, Tim also let down by some key individuals across the lines. A few janitors didn't bring their mops to work. So Caulfield, 45. Kelly, 56. Penders 63 and Rowan Marshall 53 and that's in a game that Rowan Marshall should have fucking dominated with Sean Darcy being out of action in the second quarter and Rory Lobb coming up the ground. Marshall didn't capitalise on that. Um, Ainsworth and Papley both 54s down forward so Tim had a lot of passengers in the side this week which alongside um, Kennedy going down injured really didn't help him uh, from securing what could have been a win. Um... And that only left Hartlett, Neil, and Petrarca to do all the heavy lifting for the um, janitors in round six. Bluey's just stock standard across the ground yet again. Nothing really standing out from any players. A couple of good mids in Josh Kelly and um, McGrath uh, going high 90s each. Otherwise, no real big scores anywhere else. Oh, hang on. Fucking wait a second. Callum fucking Mills on the bench. The highest scoring player for the round. That was a very quiet air horn, uh, and that is just textbook vintage coaching clanger. You've got the best player in the league for that week, and he's on your bench doing nothing for you. Cop that, and for that, you get 125. Uh, now, he was. Whether or not that's actually a clanger comes down to could the coach predict it? I've looked into it, and pound for pound, Callum Mills is a better defender than Daniel Rich, in better form. Mills' average was only let down to be around richest standard due to one shit game. Apart from that, he was a superior choice, I would have thought. So hindsight's a bitch. Foresight would have also been a bitch. Cop that. That's a clang-up. Um, but doesn't matter because Zach won. So he doesn't give a fuck. Next fixture, looking at Claw versus Crustation. So the Battle of the Claws, um, this was um, the other potential nail-biter. This one could have gone down to the wire on Sunday, but... The way the cards fell, uh, I think Morgs needed Jason Johannesson and Cade Simpson to combine for about 83 points each. Uh, Johannesson was on about minus 10 at quarter time, and that pretty much summed it up. So, otherwise, the midfield was a difference in this fixture. Uh, The claw had 226 across his mids total. The crab, 346. So, 120 points swing there uh, toward the crustaceans midfield. Um, Morg's definitely won the forward line battle though So Walters with 87 And Hawkins looped in, if you don't mind With a surprise 99 um, Giving some big score for his forwards Uh, Outside of that, from both the captains from this fixture uh, Morgan had Zach Merritt as captain Who was very disappointing With 59 And I had Grundy, who was more than disappointing With 503 Literally half his average of 106. Um, so two ship performances from the captains. Luckily for each coach, they cancelled each other out. So both coaches dodged a bullet there from wasting a um, captaincy. Going on to the next round, we had the casserole and the Rock and Stop Connections. Sophie Kerrigan, what are you doing in the studio? Cheers, baby. Cheers. Uh, Fading away a receptionist at Crab HQ, just brought me here to A cup of tea would be lovely, thanks, you. Okay. Um, going back to my, my job, my very important work, Close the door, please. Uh, you've got the casserole and the rock and sock connection. This was a fucking mauling. There's no other word for it. Fucking mauling. Uh, let's look, without going into the players here, because we'll be here all day. The defensive line, midfield, ruck, forward bench. Defensive line was plus 22 for Ben. Midfield, plus 137 for Ben. The ruck was plus 64 for Ben. The forward line was plus 23 for Ben. And if you think that's not enough, even the bench was 137 points in Ben's favour. So had the bench counted, it would have just been fucking ugly, Um, even though it already was. That's just a huge margin. Um, And we all got to pay our respects, put Fs in the chat, and send up our prayers for Rocky's percentage. I think it's on about minus 5. So... With that being said, fun fact for this fixture, Meraki had the highest scoring defender and the highest scoring forward in the game. Haynes with 87 down back and Toby Green with 76 up forward. Uh, And then there was a Nick Nat and Riley O'Brien challenge, just so perfect considering what happened in real life to actually having them play each other in fantasy. Um, And like I said before, no matter which way the AFL mainstream media want to twist it, O'Brien did what he said he did, said he would do, and he fucked Nat Nui in the arsehole. Um, and we're not mainstream media here, we're guerrilla, and we'll go out and say that confidently. Next fixture, um, moving on towards um, the two mates, Dinger and Kyle, Curl Herms taking on pubic lice STI. Um, first point to discuss here is two very average back lines um, this week. So looking at this, 54, 53, 47 for Kyle. 63, 51, 62 for Dinger. So no one on either back line going above 63. Pretty poo. Um, Kyle got dicked by a very underperforming Andrew Gaff um, as captain. If if it was just an average score by Gaff, if he got his average of 90-ish, it would have made it a very close game. So much like what happened with uh, Tim and Zach, just one player was a river difference. But I think Zach pointed out pretty well in the group chat. You can play the game of ifs all day. So I won't get too bogged down in that, but still, pretty shit from Gaff for Kyle. Um, on the topic of midfielders, Ding has definitely shown his weak spot um, with both Melbourne defenders. Uh, sorry, both both Melbourne um, midfielders going very low. So Ed Langdon 58 and Angus Brayshaw, 38. Uh, and then looking at his midfield line as a, as a whole, he had no player. Um, he has no player with an average above 80. That's pretty fucked for a midfielder. Probably, without spending another half an hour wasting my time researching for this podcast that no one listens to, um, I would say that's the lowest scoring midfield on average in the comp. Um, With that said, he can thank Isaac Smith this week uh, with a very impressive 99. um, Probably single-handedly getting his team across the 800 mark. He's also got Maxi Gorn in the ruck. He absolutely monstered Kyle's uh, segler Gorn 105, by 34. That's pretty fucked. Um, but Kyle saved some face down forward, an 85 and a 94 from the two Smiths, Devon Smith and Bailey Smith, um, for a bit of saving grace. Moving on, next fixture, we had the Neck Beard taking on Giuseppe's Fondlers. Uh, not too much to pick out from this fixture. Uh, both sides were very spread out across all lines. Um, Simo can once again thank his star started forward line, though, uh, for this win. 87-103-95. and 95. Any coach would be happy with that from their midfield, let alone their forward line. So, huge scores for his forwards. Um, and on that note, barely any of these mids outscored his forwards. So, like I said, 87-103-95. The only mid to outscore a forward was um, McRae, his highest scoring mid with 89, only scoring his lowest scoring forward, Brayshaw, by two points. So, um... Definitely saying more about his forwards and his mids, I'd say. But still, his mids weren't fantastic. Um, no standouts from John, except for Kane Lambert going 100-plus in the forward line for two weeks in a row, might I add, um, despite only 67 points as his average. So to go 100 twice with an average of 67 after doing that speaks volume about how shit his first month of footy was this year. Uh, and then also, he had Jaden Short, another Tiger going 100 plus, on the bench. Missing, uh, or oh, this means he would have outscored on field defenders Jake Boyd, his captain, Rory Laird, his prized new recruit, and James Harm. So it would have been his high scoring defenders on the bench doing nothing. Unlucky the jumbo seafood Whaley special. Flicking from going down to the last fixture for the week was reigning, reigning premier, the Bowdens taking on newcomer Amanda Chlorian. Um, young pup versus an old dog. Uh, Sam very unlucky here to get the L uh, with a big score of eight ninety four. Pretty rare to lose with a score like that. Sicily's um, hard work down back with a one fourteen uh, was pretty much cancelled out by the fossil Shannon Hearn. Um, now I'm just going to look at Shannon Hearn for a second. We all know hashtag Hernia, the nightmare trade. Hearn score this se- scores this season. Fuck, I love this song. First round ninety four. Uh, And then since that 94, he has got 53, 53, 61, 54, 34. Averaging pretty much like 53, figure that. So he's a shit, shit, shit fantasy defender. The fact he's on someone's list, let alone starting is purulent. Uh, Apart from that, Sam had a very modest turnout from the rest of his list. Uh, He depended heavily on 108 from his captain. Whitfield and Ruckman-Goldstein to boost his score to what it was, 894. Uh, the reigning Premier, Joel Bowden, unsurprisingly very good here across all lines. Uh, he looped in Dangerfield as Vice on 102. Well done. Other mids all scoring around the 90 mark, so very healthy through his midfield. Brody Smith was big down back, 107. And Tim English, he's having a breakout um, patch of form here. He's finally sort of becoming the, mid. the Ruckman he can be and will be. Uh, he gets an 81 this week on the back of some big scores in the last two or three. His average is up to 78.5 now and I dare say it's only climbing for the rest of this year. That's the fixtures. That were the games we played. Uh, now looking at the trades, so this is the week's deep dive is the trades, well trades and free agents. So pretty much delisting, listing, switching, swapping, chopping, changing. Um, there were a fuck-ton in the lead up to round six. A proper fuck-ton. Let me tell you how big that fuck-ton was. So going through each coach, Nathan picked up two free agents and did a trade. John picked up three free agents and did a double trade. Ben also three free agents and was on the other end of that double trade. Tim picked up four free agents. Morgan, three free agents and two trades. Myself, two free agents in a trade. Kyle had three free agents. Jordan had three free agents. That's really hard to say. Three free agents. Zach had three free agents. Meraki picked up a free agent and Sam picked up a free agent. Only coach to do nothing in the lead up to round six was Simo. Uh, just sitting on his list, he's pretty comfortable with who he's got. And fair enough, I think I would be as well. Uh, now, we're going to run through the um, trades and the, and the free agent pickups. But before we do that, I have to tell you, the Archie Dickens for round six is buried within this trade. So keep an ear out for when I say Archie Dickens, because you will have your round six nomination when I say Archie Dickens. So first little look up here is the trade between the Claw and the Bowdens. Claw sent Josh Dunkley home, sent him back to where he grew up at the Bowdens, and exchanged exchange the Bowdens gave the Claw Dylan Scheel and we all know what happens next. Dylan Scheel with a 55, and as of an hour ago, a two-week ban. So Nathan gets his pin-up boy, and he gets rid of a low-scoring and suspended Dylan Scheel. So big win for Nathan there. Um, moving on, we've got uh, another switch for Nathan here. He picked up Burton for Pittard. Burton, 50, Pittard. 79. So, Nate lost 29 points there. That's a L. That's a shit trade. Uh, we've also got Timmy. Timmy from Timmy Tings. You may know him. He's dropped Connor Blakely, who hasn't played a game at this year. He's been hanging on to him in Hope, but he's just not getting picked. JL picking up um, Blake Akers for the weekend's game instead of Blakely. So, Tim gets rid of Blakely, picks up Coffield, who's playing for the Saints. And Coffield repays the faith with a 45. That sucks. He's also he's made up for that though. He's picked up uh, Zach Jones with a seventy-one in exchange for Stasovic with a thirty-three, so a huge W there. That's a thirty-eight point turnaround. Um, he also had two other negligible FAs that mostly broke even. We're just gonna be looking at the ones that sort of made a difference here. Uh, Morgs, apart from that trade with Nathan, he's also traded out uh, Marshall for an injured Jake Stringer in order to loop Hawkins in with a 99. That's always a good thing if you can loop somebody with a 99, but you don't want to delist the wrong player. You want to to delist that person who's going to be shit that week. Morgan delisted Marshall, and Marshall got 30. So a huge W, a great uh, coaching banger from Morgan there. Uh, He also replaced Trent Cotchin, the injured Trent Cochin, with Braden Fiorini, who sucked. Fiorini, 38 this week. Uh, And then the last thing that Morgs did was he traded Zach Butters to Crustaceans FC for Ivan Soldo. Um, Always interesting when two coaches who are about to play against each other engage in a mutual trade. Uh, And this was very, very mutual. Zach Butters, 50-something. Ivan Soldo, 50-something. So both coaches got pretty average turnouts, but they both filled the hole they both needed. Morgs needed the Ruckman, I needed the forwards. So we'll call it a very modest win-win uh, that trade was pretty neutral uh, Kyle from curl Crib. Um fucking fantastic pickup here Sam Minagola from the RFAs gave Kyle a 92 for the injured Dion Pressia. that's a big W for Kyle uh, Jordan Dinger fuck I hate Jordan Dinger he's dropped Matt Tabernar my boy uh, who ends up with 75 which is well above Tabernar's average so you see that and you think L that's an L shit drop Luckily, he exchanged Tabernet with Oscar Allen, who he picked up, uh, exchanged from the pool, and he went 85. So luckily, I gets a plus 10 for that trade. Uh, he's also picked up Gary Rowan and Brayshaw for two injured players. So he hasn't lost anything, given two injuries to the pool. Rowan and Brayshaw were both fucking horrible. 40-something and 30-something. So um, both shit, we'll call that one a, a loss, really. Could have picked up better players. Zach McCarry from Huey's Blueys, the undefeated coach, he picks up Bolter. And after picking him up in the um, RFAs, he hypes him up saying, This cunts the tits, he got, I think, a big score in his first game last week as a Ruckman for Richmond or Ruckman slash forward, yada yada yada. Hypes him up, he gets a 28. That shit. Uh, he's also picked up John Ritz's sloppy seconds and Sam Walsh in exchange for an injured Cunnington and Cunnington gets a zero. John, ah, uh, sorry, Sam Walsh gets a 72. That's a W. Morocco, he made one change this week, and the way that his season's going, no surprise, it was a fuck up. So Josh Caddy comes in with a 52. Darcy Parrish goes out with a 72. So Morocco just gives away 20 points to the pool. And Sam picks those 20 points up. He takes Darcy Parrish and throws his injured stringer into the pool. So probably starting to see a bit of a spiderweb here. Players going in now, out the pool between coaches. Um, So Sam gets a W there, gets Parish's 72 into his team. Now here is the Archie Dickens for round six. We're going to look at, we're going to have a little warm up, a little entree, an appetizer if you will, some hors d'oeuvres before I fuck you in the mouth with my 10-inch horse dick of a Dickens. The double trade this week was between one... John Moritz, and two, Ben Edwards. So this just about ended up being the shittest double trade it could be for the hype that it was given. So Ben, the trade pest, Edwards, all week is in everyone's inboxes with, I need a captain, we'll suck dick for one. He was hassling me for Jerry Lyons. I said, you barked up the wrong tree. He ends up getting um, in bed with John Moritz, And he gets his man in Dane Zorko, the one he thinks will be the resurrected Messiah. And we know he thought this because he immediately threw the vice-captaincy on Dane Zorko, who was playing before Riley O'Brien, thinking, Zorko's going to go big. I've got my captaincy. 300 points for Ben. Zorko gets a 72. Nothing to write home about. If anything, probably one of the lowest scores you'll see for a defender on field, apart from just those um, outliers. The sweetener in the deal is that John also gave Ben Kyle Lankford. Kyle Lankford was also weak on debut for the Chickens. He gets a 58. So Ben, hard as can be, gets a 72 and a 58 from this double trade. It's shit. That is a red herring. That was not the Dickens. Here is the Archie Dickens. John fucking Moritz. John, on the other hand, he gets Isaac Heaney. Heaney gives John a handy 60 points. Uh, to accompany, he sees an ending ankle injury. Dickens, one. Laird, however, little outlier here. He's the only one in this double trade to actually perform. He gives John an 87 down back. Thank you, Rory Laird. Overall, Neckbeard takes the Chockeys for the round six results from that double trade, but with the injury to Heaney, um, Ben gets handball, the long-term W from that double trade, should Danes locker hit some form. Let me carry out the Dickens. Dickens, number one, Heaney. Then we look at John. He picks up Harry Perryman. Harry Perryman. Harry Perryman from the pool for injured Nankervis. Now, I fucking warned you, cunt. I warned every single cunt who listens to this podcast. Harry Perryman is not going to perform in round six. I walked you through. He scores from round one to five. I explained that he is the 2020 Mark Murphy, Sean Higgins. You didn't fucking listen to me. 55, Harry Perryman, after getting, what, 199 last week or some shit. You're an idiot, John. Listen to your radio fucking podcast host person. Then he also picks up Phillips from the free agency pool. 52, that's so shit. Um, And then lastly, he... Perkin trades in Sam Walsh for James Harms. He trades Sam Walsh in. If him picking up Harry Perryman made me think he didn't listen to the podcast, him dropping Sam Walsh confirms that he does, because I berated him last week for his captaincy choice of Sam Walsh. And in a blazing fashion, Sam Walsh goes from vice-captain for John to a free agent delisted into the pool. Um, And Sam Walsh gets a 72, James Harms, 50. So John's handed away uh, 22 points. He has shown all players on his list that no cunt is safe. He can go from vice-captain to the pool. So overall, Heaney with a 60, season ending ankle injury, Perryman 55, Harms with a 50, Walsh out with a 72, Phillips in with a 52. An absolute nightmare of a lead up to round six in terms of coaching. John Morris, you get the Archie Dickens for round six. Uh, to round out the deep dive for the trade analysis, just looking at uh, Bongzi, finishing off from him, he picked up Swallow uh, for Fisher. Fisher DNP, Swallow got a 70 on field. He was Ben's highest scoring forward. That's a big win, what well I'm Ben. Um, and then here's a little um, mini Dickens for Ben. So, honourable mentions this week to Sam Gillis and Ben Edwards. Here's your mini Dickens, Ben. You've picked up Josh Dacos for a Collingwood wingman um, for Ed Kernow. Dacos played well last week after I dropped in the week before. Um, So Ben sees a player who could be in form, picks him up. Dacos injures himself at training during the week, doesn't even play a game for his new club. Ben sees this, Ben lists him, Dacos out, and Hopper in. Hopper gets a 74. Now you look at that and think, right, he had an injured Josh Dacos, he's dropped in, he picks up Hopper, Hopper gets a 74. Reasonable if you're a bench midfielder, you'll take that. So you're thinking, yep, that's a win, you're wrong. Ed Kerno, the bloke he dropped in the first place for Dacos, got an 83. So an overall very convoluted nine-point loss for Ben. Big L. Um, and that is the deep dive for the trades. That's the trade analysis done. And that leaves us, dear listeners, we have nothing left to do apart from pick every fucking... Game for next round correctly. Let's have a little oopsie doodles. I'm going to bring it up on my laptop um, fixtures for round seven. Top of the list, we've got Robbo's Janitors taking on Crustaceans FC. We've got two top four clubs here. Um, geez, this one, I mean, Tim got 764 this week, but with in mind that included Kennedy going down with a 14. Um, Had Kennedy played, it would have been around the 8.30, 8.40 mark, which is where I was. But then bear in mind, again, it's Zach McCary's famous game of ifs. If Grundy played normally, got 100, I would have been on 931. So I'm going to pick myself again. I've done it two weeks in a row. I've won two weeks in a row. Crustaceans to win the first game of the round. Uh, Going down from there, we've got Huey's Bluey's FFC up against the Chicken Casserole. I alluded to at the top of the potty, I'm going to bring it back. Huey's, Bluey's, FFC will be 6 and 1 after round 7. They'll still be on top. They'll still be happy with themselves, but chicken is 9.97 this week against Bluey's, 8.40. Chicken's hot. The chicken casserole is hot. And I think he's going to take this win comfortably. Um, pubic Lice, STIFC up against the Claw. Oh, this one could be anything to be honest. I mean, the claw got 766. He, he doesn't, he looks worse on paper than he is. Lice, 831. Weak midfield. I'm going to go the underdog for this one, mostly because I fucking hate dumb cunt Jordan Dinger. Um, case zero for the dumb cunt 19 pandemic. And I'm going to give the tip to Morgan this week to get off the bottom of, oh, he'll still be 11th, but a more respectable 11th. Uh, looking down the list, we've got Rock and Sock Connection versus Loss of Bola, Aficionados. I don't even need to tell you what my tip is for that one. Uh, Curl Hermscrib takes on the Bowdens. Uh, bow- oh, yeah. As you know, Curl Hermscrib's in a nightmare patch of form. Um, across all codes of fantasy, the Bowdens are hot to trot. That one's going to the Bowdens. Uh, and then Jumbo Seafood Awayley Special takes on the bounty hunter, Mando. Um... This is probably going to be the closest one for the round, I think, apart from me and Tim. Looking at their stats from last week, what do we got? We've got Jumbo 864, Mando 894. So they both posted good scores. Both unlucky not to win last week. One of them will be unlucky again this week. I've got a feeling that John has butchered his list too much. Sam for mine. Sam to take that one. That's all we got here at Crab. HQ. <sighs> How are you guys going? It's very lonely talking to yourself in a podcast, here. If you're wondering, I'm sitting back, I've got a cup of tea, Bicky, um, and I'm just reflecting on the fact that it's nine thirty-eight PM on a Tuesday night. I've got Spotify playing. My room looks nice. Got a roof over my head. Um, money in the bank, a family that loves me, I haven't got COVID. These are the things I'm thankful for. Why don't you guys, today at some point, take a break, step back from your job, go for a walk around the block, put some lavender in your tea, and just think about all the things you're thankful for, you know? Be happy. Friends, fantasy, really happy, happy.